I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. I've always dreamed about becoming an actor. As a young girl, I dabbled in the world of headshots, agents, and auditions, only to realize I was in over my head. It was a seemingly cutthroat industry, and I just wasn't ready for it. Since then, I've always wondered how people actually managed to break in. So when I met Tiana Popovich, I couldn't wait to hear her journey. Tiana is a Vancouver actor who grew up in small-town British Columbia. She got her start in theatre, picked up and moved across the country to Toronto to expand her resume, and then returned to the West Coast to dig into film and television work in the province she grew up. Since then, she's appeared in a variety of both feature and short films, TV commercials, and even sketch comedy. We talk headshots, auditions, and how to break into the business. Spoiler alert, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And some strange auditions. I do have one small regret about this episode, and it's nothing to do with Tiana because we had a great time. Somewhere near the middle of this podcast, I say that Vancouver is sunny. I highly regret this, but I'm not usually so positive, so I left it in as proof. Now, without further ado, Tiana Popovich. Tiana, hi. Hi. Welcome to Vantropolis. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you here, actually. (laughs) Um, All the burning questions that I was going to stalk you at work together with, I can now do in an enclosed, windowless room. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) It's the best type of interrogation. (laughs) Um, So I can't wait to kind of ask you how you started. We'll get into all of that, the process, all the questions I have about how you get an agent, background, headshots, all of those things. Okay. Um, But first, I want to talk about Mexico because you just shot a commercial there. I just shot a commercial in Mexico. It was pretty great. Pretty. It's one of those situations where you have a call back on a weekend and you get the call at 2 p.m. on a Monday and at 4 a.m. you're at the airport. So... It's insane. Yeah. I didn't even know you could audition for commercials here that you go to Mexico for to, to perform in. Yeah, they shoot them all over. I've auditioned for ones in Mexico, Prague, Dominican. So you were saying it was for a vegetable. Can you declare what the vegetable is like customs or do you have to keep it quiet? I think I am allowed to declare it, but maybe not tell you what the commercial is actually about. But I just shot a commercial for avocados. Oh, good. We were hoping it was avocados. <laughs> yes. And, and as, a, as an aside, I did look up to see if the Mexican cartel is still in charge of avocados and running them. Uh, the jury's out. It seems like it might be more on the up and up now, so I think you're okay. (laughs) Okay, that's good. I mean, these are very cheery commercials, so you never know. They might be hiding something dark. Well, you'll probably get paid. (laughs) Hopefully. Guaranteed paycheck. So we kind of met working together last year. I was doing a project management contract entirely unrelated to this podcast and to what you do. Um, But when I first met you, I kind of want to paint a picture for everyone at home because I had no idea that you had this dual life. You're kind of like a project coordinator in a big corp, which can remain unnamed. Yes. Um, But when I met you, you really reminded me of Molly Shannon in the best possible way. And for those of you that don't know who Molly Shannon is, you need to go and look her up. She's amazing. She was on Saturday Night Live. Um, 
But I know Tiana has some thoughts on that. And, and really, I, I just want to say the reason that I thought you looked like her is you have a really expressive face. So when I discovered that you acted, I was totally not surprised. Yeah, that Molly Shannon, I feel, has haunted me my entire adult life. Um, I grew up in a small town. We had an old TV set. You know, the, remember the click one that went all the way around? And we had two channels, CTV and CBC. We did not have cable. So when I was around 19 or 20, Molly Shannon came on the scene, and people would stop me in the mall. They would stop me on the street, anywhere, and they'd be like, you look just like Molly Shannon. I'm like, I I don't know who that is. I have no idea. Like, who is Molly Shannon? Okay, fine. And then eventually when I saw her, I was like, oh, yeah, very similar mannerisms. (laughs) Did anyone think you were her, though, or no? No, no one thought I was her. I mean, she's a little bit older than me, but um, but yes, I people would stop me all the time. And then I remember one of my first agents like basically wanted to sell me as a younger Molly Shannon, made me dye my hair darker, made me act a certain way, tried to get me parts that fit within that kind of stereotype. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure that that was the best thing. No, we were saying earlier before we started this, it, it can be a box because it's great to have an association with someone that's really famous, you know, using that I'm kind of like Molly Shannon, but not. But then you're totally typecast and you've just started. You just started. And I think it's fine to say you are like this actor, you have the essence of this, you know, person, but you don't want to emulate them, right? I, I am my own person and I bring my own comedic flair and I, you know, my own facial expressions, I guess. And so I think that where I've started to succeed is that people have let me be myself more. And then sure, I have that Molly Shannon-esque thing happening, but it's me, not her. Yeah, cool. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. You said you kind of grew up in a small town. So I want to hear how you sort of started because a lot of people ask, and me included, how do I get into this world? Yeah. You know, do you have to know somebody? You know, you had humble beginnings in small town British Columbia, which is what I love for this podcast. You know, there's no, and with Tony, who was on previously, there's no uh, special journey or specific way to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I love hearing those stories. So tell us kind of the beginnings until kind of when you ended up landed in Vancouver. Yeah. And I think it's right. Everyone in film has a totally different journey. For me, I started doing theater in where I grew up in Prince George, and I loved theater. It, it filled my soul. Uh, so at one point, I realized that that was something I could pursue, that I could study theater. So I ended up applying to a few colleges that offered two-year programs, and I ended up going to Mount Royal Conservatory, which is in Calgary. And I was there for two years uh, with the thought that I would continue on to a sister school that you would then complete two more years and have a degree. That wasn't the path for me. After the two years, I was in a great place, I think, in terms of my training and and the experience that I had. So I actually ended up going to Toronto because there I could study with teachers who were teaching courses at York, but offered a side studio where you could take one course with them rather than taking like a full semester. So I ended up going to Toronto to pursue that. And um, after I kind of did some film and TV stuff, I started doing more comedy. I did Second City in Toronto, and then I came to Vancouver about 10 years ago and have done, you know, studied film and TV and then also studied comedy here at Vancouver Theatre School. What a what a journey, though, like starting with kind of that 
traditional theater, that, you know, conservatory. And a lot of actors you listen to, like famous Hollywood actors, they love theater. They started in theater. They miss it. They want to go back to Broadway and kind of have that immediate gratification, performing live every night versus, you know, multiple takes on set. So I think that's great that you did that first. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's really good. It's obviously a totally totally different experience than being on a film set versus having theater. And then I haven't done a lot of theater recently, but I do a sketch comedy and that's live and you get that same kind of energy from the crowd and same instant gratification. So let's talk about Second City because I took a tiny little bit of improv in Vancouver, but Second City and Upright Citizens Brigade are like the holy grail of improv. And for those of you that don't know what improvisation is, it's an unscripted type of acting or theater And it sort of allows you to ad lib or think on your feet. Um, It's all live. There's no practicing and rehearsing, which can be freeing and terrifying, as I can attest to personally. I've literally thrown up before I've done improv, and people were like, oh, that was so fun. And I was like, no. I cried myself to sleep for the last three days, but I'm glad you had a chuckle. Like, it's terrifying, but it's such, it's like a drug, it's like a rush. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure that I had the same rush from improv. I appreciate improv, and I think it gave me the tool to be very in the moment and in my acting. I don't think I'm a successful improviser. Right. So that's a tool that I set out to gain. I think I did a mediocre job, and then I left it because that's it's not the thing that I was going to excel at. Right. Yeah, and and I mean, Second City, big names out of there in in, uh, Toronto, like Mike Myers, John Candy, Martin Short, like very famous in Canada land. Yeah. And for for, launching many careers. 100%. Yeah. And even in Vancouver here, there's, you know, quite a few improv troops and a lot of successful actors that you see come out of Vancouver also did improv. Yeah. Well, I I think it's kind of cool that you did sort of both of those worlds. And again, it just shows there's not one way. You didn't go to a formal, you know, modern acting school, let's say. You kind of just meandered through and and I think all of them add up to a nice repertoire because it's true. You can, it probably really helps in auditions to be able to have multiple takes, think on your feet, think of alt lines, not just say the same thing canned over and over again, right? Yes, that is true. And a lot of times they do ask for actors, especially for the comedic parts parts I go out for, they ask specifically for improv experience. So having been in an improv troupe and having done, you know, classes for improv, that I think really gives me a leg up. And then obviously if you go in for that casting director and you're able to have those alt lines and they throw an idea at you and they say, hey, just try this and you, you're able to succeed with that, then... I think that's positive. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you came back to Vancouver, when was that? What year are we talking without dating ourselves <sighs> too much? We're basically ourselves. the same age. Um, I think it was around 12 years ago I came. Okay, wow. So you yeah. came home, but not back to Prince George. You came mm. to the big city. Came to the big city, which was close, close enough. Yeah. Air quotes around that, everyone <laughs> listening from Hong Kong, London, and Los Angeles. Yeah. Still the big city. It's grown up a lot in the past couple of years. It has. Yeah. Someone actually told me once that Vancouver is the pretty girl at the party. So, you know, it's beautiful. Like, look at the mountains. Look at the beautiful ocean. It's so sunny. And then everyone's like, I can't get a job. Rents triple. But it's like, it's, but it's so pretty. Yeah. It makes a great backdrop for film and TV. Yes. Yes, it does. Way to bring that back. Nice job. (laughs) So you were settled here. How did you kind of go about, did you kind of know that you wanted to be a commercial actor? Let's say, I know you've done other indies and and other acting, but how how did you kind of figure out what did you want to sink your teeth into once you were back here? 
I don't think that I did. Uh, when I was moving back to Vancouver, well, I say back, but I never lived here, back to BC, um, I started applying for acting jobs, anything, short films, theater, comedy, anything I could find online that I could apply for, I did. And so I ended up booking a job the same week that I came out that was for, you're going to you're gonna laugh, uh, was for a Halloween burlesque show. But I was the actor in that with another actor. And uh, it was very funny. It was Ed Wood's Orgy of the Dead, which oh. is a movie. And um, I did that for four years. And it was great. Those I met people basically the first week that I moved here. Um, they were all actors or in a creative field of some kind. And so that I just started to do different jobs. So I did that theater gig and I started to audition for commercials and a bit of, I did a lot of films, like independent films, a few feature films, short films. Um, and then I obviously did some sketch comedy, did a live show and an improv show. I just, anything I could do, I would try and get out there and, and be seen and meet people and I don't know, exercise, any acting you know, training I kind of had. So, so you you didn't have a reel just to bring that back to like you know when people start they don't necessarily have any experience. Like if I wanted to go do it tomorrow, I have nothing. Yeah, right. Um, I guess when I lived in Toronto, most of the comedy that I had done was live, so I had kind of a live reel, and then I probably had a reel of some short films I have done, but you know I would never show anyone that now. So but you I needed a, it then. But I needed it then. Needed something. Yeah, for sure. And I guess at that point, I had enough experience in, in different areas, the theater, sketch comedy, film, commercials, that handing in a resume and a headshot was kind of enough. Right. Yeah. Well, and I love that, you know, people think it's always just a straight shot, right? You get a headshot and you start going to auditions. And if there's another way, a lot of people don't realize it's literally blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And freebies, uh, tons of freebies, tons right? Tons of freebies. Oh, uh, basic, so many short films that I have done for free. I love them. They're wonderful experiences. But some people obviously can get a headshot and go out and audition tomorrow because they have a very unique look that works for commercials and they're not taking that person based on experience or taking that person based on, you know, the look that they bring to that commercial. But yes, a lot of blood, sweat and tears for many years of not making a lot of money to only act and, you know, that, yeah, for sure. So for headshots, did you have to, you obviously paid somebody professionally and got an agent. You went the formal route that way. Yes. I, when I was finishing theater school, I think I got my first headshots then they're they're adorable. Piece of work. <laughs> yes. They were black and white, if that tells you anything. Aren't they still black and white? I'm aging <laughs> myself. We're using color now for headshots? Definitely. Shut up. Yes. Um, yes, we're using color now. So my first ones are black and white, and I definitely had a baby face. Were you in an alley leaning against it with a <laughs> upturned collar? No. Well, these were, you know, in the 2000s, you were in a studio with like a backdrop. Now you're in alleys. Yeah. I've been in a lot of alleys. Sleeves pushed up. Yeah, that's <laughs> happening now. Doing some hard work in the alley yeah. with your sleeves pushed up. Yeah. $100 sweater. Okay, so how did you go about getting an agent? Like, you know, if I Google it, I went and did it just out of curiosity. I was like, okay, I want to be a commercial actor. What do I do? It's daunting. You go to Google, of course. It's like a, it's meandering a bunch of unknowns and a lot of like sharks too, right? Yeah. Like you have no idea what you're getting into. You can get shammed, get your money taken. Like, how does that work? 
Yeah, I think you have to do a lot of research, whether asking fellow actors or people that you know who are in the field. Also online, now I think because there's more information online, you can actually look up agencies and they might have reviews or, you know, if someone had a bad experience, you might be able to find that somewhere. So to get an agent, basically, if I were to go out tomorrow and get a new agent, I would, I'm not getting a new agent, Jay, I love you. Um, I would get my headshot and my resume and... Back in the day, you would send a package, basically. You'd probably send a demo reel with your headshot and resume and actually mail it. A lot of times now, it's easier to email it. You know, they Things have, have this, changed. Things wow. have changed, right? right? You don't need that hard copy. It's the same thing. You're reading the same information. So I'd send that off. Nice little cover letter, kind of sum up what I'm doing, maybe what I'm, my goals are, what I'm looking to pursue in the future, and then basically wait and see if anyone gets back to you and then follow up. That's honestly, it's it it's not an easy thing to navigate. Right. And then what about agents that tell you, oh, you don't have enough experience, you need to take classes, or you know, they want to want you to get out there and pay some more to do some more work, kind of thing. And I think that can happen if you're trying to become if you're trying to jump right into film and TV and say, I want to be a film and TV actor, but you don't really have any experience, you haven't done training. I think to start, say, with commercials is a good segue into being a film and TV actor because at least with commercials, again, less about experience, more about your look, and nine times out of ten, you'll go in and be yourself. That's a way for an an agent to see. Exposure. Yeah, and then also an agent to see, oh, well, you know, they're they're showing up on time, they're going in the room, they're getting a call back, we're getting put on hold, so maybe we didn't book a ton of commercials this year – but Some traction. yeah, doing a great job in the room. And and then, then I think that's a really good way to kind of segue into film and TV because you can start with the commercials, maybe take the classes on the side, have that conversation with your agent at some point and say, hey, you know, I've booked these five commercials and I did this theater show and I, you know, studied with this person. And so I'm ready to move into film and TV. Did you do any background acting? <laughs> yeah, I tried that a few times. What's that like? It looks exciting from afar. And I always joke, I stalk film sets. So I'll walk by and there'll be those massive mess hall white tents with like 55 people dressed in suits. And you're like, oh, this looks interesting and cool. And they're freezing and they're reading a book. And I don't know how much they get paid. Not a lot. What's that whole world, the whole background actor thing? So there are different levels of background acting. So you could be the background actor that you've seen in the tent where there's like 100 people in suits. They're probably getting paid around $10 an hour. They don't really feed those people. They're out in the cold and the wet and the rain. I did that once, and I said, never again, Tiana. You're worth more than this. Or you can be a featured extra. You might make $250 to $500 a day. You're treated very well. You're inside in a warm environment. What's a featured extra? So someone that you might see in the background. So when you're watching a film, you have the two main actors. I might walk by, but you're, you'll see my face. Right. You're and not in so the mass background. I'm not in the mass. and so Or I'm a waiter, and I come in, and I give you a piece of food. But you clearly see me, even though I don't have a line. Right. Unless you get cut, which I hear Unless, happens a lot. Sure. But I still got paid for my day, so it's a win. You're right. It's true. And you can still use it as – can you still use that as part of your portfolio if you get cut? I would never tell anyone that I've done background. Okay. We're talking about it now. <laughs> out of, out of, you know, we're t- – I guess informing people how this all works, but I would never put background or extra work on Fair my uh, resume. <laughs> Fair enough. You're past that. I get it. <laughs> okay, so you get an agent, you have headshots, you've got your reel. Do you remember sort of your first important callback or audition? 
sort of that turning point point and one where you're like, oh man, this is big. I'm excited. This is crazy. I don't think I've had that callback. Not for film and TV. Okay. For commercials, I mean, I I think I do really well. So I don't know if I remember the first commercial I ever booked. I remember I booked a Lexus commercial, and it was a great spot. I got cut from it, but it was a great experience on set. It was a feature film director. The set was set up as though it was a feature film, and it was in Vancouver. Um, It was in Toronto. Okay, when I lived out there, and that was my first experience being on a big set like that. Right, and um, I really enjoyed that. And as far as film and TV go, I've had a few small parts here and there, but nothing. That's been a bigger role, I guess. So how do you prepare for an audition? You get a call from your agent who's, yeah. who is obviously screening what they think will work for you, right? So yeah. it's like, oh, Tiana would be good for this one. I'm going to give her a call and say, hey, mm-hmm. I've got this commercial. I think I'm going to put your name in for it. And you say, yes, great. Yeah. And then you you kind of wait for the first invitation, right, to kind of audition. Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? Pretty much. In layman's yeah. terms? In layman's terms. Yeah, basically that's it. My agent every day has a list of auditions that are going out with a description, an age, everything like that. And then she'll figure out who fits in that bucket and then, you know, submit you for it. And then I will in turn get that audition. So once I get it, I just have to confirm how it will be there. And then they provide all the details. So it might be a character description, you know, what the person looks like or what they're wearing. And then normally there's a script. So there might be lines in the script. It simply might be directions. You don't have anything to say. And then, yeah, show up on the day, basically prepared but ready to do anything that the casting director needs because a lot of times they can change last minute or they've tried something earlier in the day and it didn't really work. So they need you to do something else. And you probably learned that the hard way a little bit, right? Because I'm sure the newbies come in and they're very prepared with their four words. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. What we're going to get you to do. And you're like, what the hell? (laughs) Yes. It's so true. And you see people like that. So I'm prepared, but I'm not overly prepared. I'm just, I'm ready to just go in there and do whatever. And I'm sure like all kinds of crazy stuff happens in there. Oh, yeah. Um, I We've talked a little bit about all my crazy stories. But yeah, I once auditioned for a commercial. And sometimes, I mean, I love casting directors. They work really hard. But they have so many people that are coming in for spots that sometimes they're behind. So if you're at the end of the day, you might have to wait a little bit. So one time I waited two hours over my call time. And I was sitting there and got called in. And they said, OK, can you smile? Which sometimes you have to do because they want to take a picture. And then you'll say your name. And then they'll tell you what to do. So I smiled and they're like, okay, thank you. And I was like, what? Sorry, what? <laughs> what? And then that was it. That's all they wanted. I guess it was for a toothpaste commercial or something. They just wanted to see your teeth. That they didn't care about anything it's too bad else. You couldn't have sent a headshot smiling <clears throat> to save everyone time, toothpaste company. Oh, I'm sure my agent sent one that was smiling because they probably said they have to have straight teeth or white teeth or yes. So and, and it's I, I mean I've worked in advertising years back and you know not been in casting calls but been part of casting and the ridiculousness of what clients want what directors say they want and don't want what the creative team wants is a cluster f like oh, and yeah. it's so unfair to some of these poor people because some of them are amazing oh. and they don't book it because of something stupid like Sorry, clients, but like the client doesn't like his the way his haircut is. Mm-hmm. But he's an amazing actor. He's so funny and interesting, and you're going to get all of those. You're going to nail all of those laughs, and he didn't get the role. Yeah. And then some pretty boy comes in, and I've sat, and we've tried to do 18 takes of somebody, and the client's like, oh, this is awful. And it's like, yeah, you think so? Yeah, because they went with a look, not with someone who was 
really good at their job. Yeah. And, oh, I've had it before where a casting director said, hey, Tani, you're on hold. You did a great job. It actually just went to someone who had blonder hair. And on hold is like you're you're a maybe. You're a maybe. So after your so we've gone to the audition, then you have a, a callback, which is probably some of the ad agency is there, the producers there, the directors there, and they're gonna work with you a bit. And um and then after that, if they like you, they'll put you on hold. But they might have six people on hold for your one role. Right. And at the end of the day, it, who knows? You could have upwards of 20 people making the decision on who they're casting because you have a director, you have a producer, you have the ad agency, you have the client, and you know about 20 or so people are approving you. So if one person is not on your team, you are no longer booking that role because everyone has to be in agreement really at the end of the day. So It really does take tenacity. And I know oh. that's such a cliche, but I've heard so many actors, you know, famous Hollywood actors that like did 150 auditions and didn't get one role. Yeah. I think even like Dak Shepard talks on The Armchair Expert how he was like almost destitute and then he got punked. Right. Not He didn't get punked. He yeah. got the show punked. <laughs> but yeah, he was like, I, like, I didn't even know how he was going to eat and then I got punked. And it's crazy statistics. I forget what it is with a commercial audition. Obviously, I think film and TV is a bit different, but the numbers in commercials are crazy. It's like 400 people are submitted. Maybe a hundred or so people are seen. Out of those people, you know, maybe like twenty or thirty are called back. Out of those twenty or thirty, one person is booking that. That's crazy. It's crazy. But that's a really big win when you get one. Oh, 100%. Right? Like, yeah, you can get jaded, but yeah. you know, it's still magic, uh, right? When you're getting that, you're getting that role. And then I, I think you can get jaded. I totally get that. If you you go out time and time again, and you're not booking anything, or you're not on hold, but then. For me, you always have to come back to, well, why am I doing this? I'm doing it because I love it. So if I get five minutes in the room to act and have fun and that's, I'm good, I'm happy, I'll walk away. And if I get a call back or I'm on hold or I book that commercial, those are icing on the cake. For the most part, I just go in there, I play for five minutes and then I, I leave because you can't hold on to it. There's, it's, you're going out for so many auditions that, it's yep. not worth it. You need thick skin. That's the attitude that's going to get you in the long term. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going to give up, and many people do give up. And you have to, I think for me, what I've realized is that what I have to sell is uniquely me. And if you want me to be in your commercial or in your film, you know you want me. What I have to sell or what I have to offer is uniquely me, and you'll say yes to that and be like, yes, we yeah, want exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you're going to say he's cute and then regret it on the day of the <laughs> no, shoot. Never say that about me, but... <laughs> No. So when you get that call and you're going to the shoot, like, you know, so Mexico is obviously the most recent one, which is crazy, mm-hmm. but awesome. Yeah. What happens between you, you nail that audition, you get the role. What do you have to do? Like, obviously some are more complicated than others, right? Mm-hmm. This one that you just went to is a little bit more involved. A little bit more involved, but usually it's the same kind of formula. It's a very quick turnaround from you have the callback. Normally within a day or two, someone for production is reaching out to you. They're setting up a wardrobe, which is probably within a day or so. And then you will go to wardrobe. And basically what that is, is the wardrobe department will put you in a bunch of outfits that they'll photograph. The client will look through, they'll see them in person, and then they decide what you're wearing in the spot. Um, Once that's finished, normally the shoot day is a day or so after that, and you get your call sheet, your call time when you're supposed to be to set. If there's a new script, they might send you that. They might not. You kind of have to be ready. And then, yeah, once you're on set, that's it. I'm on set. They Hair and makeup into wardrobe on set, and then 
basically with commercials, it's, I think, a bit different than film and TV because you're an extension of that brand. So now it's like I'm an object that is to be moved around and kind of like fit within this commercial. So I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. But basically, like, it's almost like you're another prop. Right. But you so, feel more like cattle than a star. Yeah. Like, luckily, I've been in great commercials, and I have lots of lines and dialogue, and, like, I get to interact with people, and I've had a lot of fun. But you essentially are another prop that are like, oh, no, we need you to do this. Oh, no, you can't make that face. Oh, you know, so there's a lot of things to consider. I'm sure models feel that way, too. Oh, definitely. I'm definitely on the level of a model. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> so... With this avocado commercial, mm-hmm. avocado, avocado, I think the way I say it is correct. Yeah. No one at me. Why someone from Vancouver? Like, are they, how do they mm-hmm. choose where to cast? Because I've, I've like worked in advertising and they'll, you know, Vancouver is a small pool. So once you've kind of exhausted some of the people here, like they, they're retreads, you can see them in every commercial. And then it's like, you know, it's tough. You want a fresh face. So then Toronto is obviously a bigger pool. Los Angeles is, it's unbelievable how many people try to make a living in Los Angeles of doing commercials. And I would say 80% of them are phenomenal. I don't, they cast a lot of commercials out of Vancouver. The, why did they go to Mexico? The client is from the U.S. I think it's cheaper to shoot down there production wise. So also I have done one other commercial in Mexico and the client was from the U.S. The um, special effects team was from London and then the actors came from Vancouver. So, again, was it an easier meeting point? Was that more affordable than coming to Vancouver? Plus, it's Mexico in <laughs> January. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Like, you don't want to shoot avocados in this no. weather. I did look at your reel, yeah. and I saw some untold stories of the ER on there. Oh, yeah, that's Which it. is amazing, because my brother, Stefan, is in craft service, and he did years of that show. Okay. And that's a pretty low-budget you know, chill show in terms of security, et cetera. So I used to visit him on set. I wonder if we crossed paths. (laughs) We probably did. I saw your riveting scene of bedside. But so what what were some of your favorite things to work on in terms of? Uh, Untold Stories is funny because I feel, yes, that was very low budget in terms of what they paid everyone and like the production value and everything because they wanted, you know, like a docudrama thing. But they were also lovely. The, I I went on to Untold Stories probably four different times as four different characters. They had staying power. That oh. was on TLC for endless amounts of years. Yeah. And the reruns as well. Like hey. my mom's always looking because my brother used to get cameos in it as crafty. They'd be like, can you be a doctor for 10 minutes yeah. to put on the stethoscope? It's a very low budget. Um, some favorite moments. Oh, I've had some great ones. So I did a, a short film where my eyes were meant to be gouged out. And so they actually put prosthetics over my eyes so I could not see. So someone had to lead me around. I was in bare feet. We were in the forest near Hope, BC. And I had to stumble through the forest, honestly not knowing where I was going. Well, you were method acting. Because you were stumbling through the forest. I could not see anything. And I I love how I think that that's a memorable moment. But it actually, it looked so great. And no one on a big feature film would let you do that. Like, right? So doing these smaller films that are a little bit more low budget, you get to do things that you wouldn't get to do on a larger set. And um, Yeah, it's not as controlled. Yeah, it's not as controlled. A lot more rogue. Mm -hmm. In a good way. Yeah. And um, another great story is that I had a small part in a feature film that went to all these film festivals, and I was in Toronto when it played, and I had a small part that he kind of wrote, but we ended up improving in the end, and 
it was a great moment because after my scene, the whole audience basically started clapping and cheering. And as an actor, I feel like, again, you never, you never get that applause or you never get that gratification of someone enjoying what you've done. And I think that that was a really fun moment. And yeah. Awesome. A good one. So how do you do it on the side? Because you have a you have a full-time job essentially. Like can you do it on the side? It's very difficult to be able to leave work and have an understanding boss and you know, scramble to make yourself available. Yeah, and I think it is difficult. I think you have to have a very understanding, you know, obviously work situation. And when I applied for my job, I'm a contractor, I said this is something that's important to me. I will continue to do it. You know, I'm, it's not like I'm booking weeks every month or something like that. And I was lucky enough to just land in this position. And also because of that, I only audition for commercials now. So right. occasionally I will audition for a, a really good film and TV role if that comes up and if they want to see me. And that happens from time to time. For right now, I'm only doing the commercials because that's a little bit of an easier balance. And I still get to do a bit of acting on the side while still working. So. And how would you say the industry is here, like your perspective of Vancouver's industry? I mean, we all know it's booming and crazy, but I would love firsthand knowledge on the ground of how you feel about it. Oh, I think it's definitely booming and crazy. Like last year, normally you have kind of a down period around summertime and maybe a bit into the fall and even in early, early year. But it seemed like commercials were just the whole year. There was no break. And at times I was going out for four or five commercials a week. It, it was that busy. And then in terms of film and TV, I, I mean, I've auditioned for a few things this past year, and um, they shoot all the Hallmark movies here. Netflix has a studio here. You know, we obviously have huge feature films that are coming up here and TV shows that are shooting. And it it is very busy, I think, which is a great thing for our community and a great thing for our actors and, a, you know, awesome for everyone that works in a crew and can have a, a regular full-time gig if you're working on a TV show. So yeah. I think it's really exciting. Absolutely, it's exciting. Yeah, that's why I'm doing this podcast. It's very it's exciting, exciting to me. I'll always have, that should be my slogan. It's exciting to me. To me, I'm not even in it. Yeah. Um, so, what do you have for advice for people kind of starting out? What is your advice for sort of people that want to start out and don't really know what they should do first? What's the best use of time? If you're starting out, I think you need to figure out what is your niche. What are you great at? Are are you a comedian? Are you a dramatic actor? Do you sell someone who's quirky? Are you a serial killer? Like, it's almost like branding in a way. As a person, how do you brand yourself? How do you say, I sell this? And by being yourself, not obviously imitating anyone else, but what do you sell? And then that's such an easy way for your agent to say, hey, this person's like this, or they make a great whatever, or they did this indie film and they played this role, which is, you know, a great role for them. And you know, I have one friend who, in person, you would never think this, but he always plays the creep. He's always a super creepy dude, and he sells that on camera. So if you're not sure about that, probably the first thing you need to do is even start with a scene or a monologue and tape yourself and look at yourself and say, what do I sell? Like, what, am I, what do I want to portray here? How do I move forward? And then it's probably a good way to start with the agent and just getting out there. And I, I mean, classes are always great because you meet people. And then obviously trying to do every indie short film, feature film, anything like, you know, someone's doing a 24 hour film festival. You do that because those people will go on to make big feature films. And then you started with them when they were in a 24 hour you know, film festival. So I think getting out and meeting people is also the best way to kind of move forward because 
you never know where those connections are going to take you. And it's great experience. So that's building your resume. I understand you're not getting paid, but it's, you know, you're building a resume that's invaluable. Well, and that brings up a good point. You know, do you go to film school and pay all of that money? And I don't want to slag film school. I think it's super valuable and, uh, you know, there's a place for it. But, you know, there's there's different ways to get there. And you can go that indie route and just kind of hustle or you can kind of do the traditional route. What's your thought on film school or, well, or, or acting school, I should say? Well, I went to theater school. I think it was a bit different, obviously, being at a college. It was more affordable, I think, and kind of covered an array of topics. So... I mean, after that, though, I created my own schooling. It it was like, who do I want to study with? What kind of work do I want to do? And then I sought out those people. So I feel like you can go to film school, but if you kind of want to just get started, you can. You can create your own education. Who do you want to study with and what do you want to learn? And, you know, keep taking those classes and moving forward. And you're still meeting people who are doing what you do. And you're meeting a teacher who's probably in the industry and they're most likely working. And there's so many independent studios now that are, are working actors who are teaching other people. Well, yeah, and this is the city to be in, right? It's different yeah. if you grow up in like the prairies in the heartland of Canada, you probably have to get out of there. But around here, you're right, there's so much going on on the, on the fringe, right, of everybody kind of doing these little offshoot indies and making their own stuff and contests. Have you ever said no to work? Have you ever turned down auditions based on personal stuff or beliefs or... Or, or do, you know, where does that line fit with nailing a role and also, you know, your own comfort level? Well, being a comedic actor that everyone sees as, you know, unique and quirky, I'm not normally asked to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. Right. No one's saying, take your top off. Right. They're like, put on five sweaters. Right. And then and then take them off with a different face every time the sweater every comes time. off. And you're like, fine. Okay. I can do it with 14. <laughs> So you're off to another commercial, right? Don't you have an audition later today? Later today, yeah. Back at it. So it, they just keep coming, and I'll keep going, and I love it. And, you know, today I'm going to go dress in my pajamas and uh, pretend to have a husband and go to bed. So Sweet. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, you just, you just that's, again, method acting. Yeah, method acting. Well, that's all I really have in terms of, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot in a very short amount of time. Those were all my burning questions. Okay. Is there any other final advice you'd love to give to anybody? I mean, it's very valuable to hear this stuff, especially if you're a newbie in the world of film in Vancouver. You know, a lot of people move here and are absolutely lost and don't know how to start. So I think some of the stuff we've discussed is really helpful. Any last words of advice? Sure. Again, I think I kind of said this earlier, but You need to believe in yourself because I think this is an industry where no one kind of does that for you. You have to always give that to yourself. If you have a great audition, but you don't get a callback, you still, you have to say, yeah, that was a great audition. I did my work. I memorized my lines. I showed up. I did a fantastic job. I'm not right for this part. And then you leave it because I think that working in this industry and day after day, and you're slugging it out in the trenches with everybody else, that it can be really easy to get down on yourself and not feel good about the work that you're doing. But I think if you believe in yourself and you believe in the work that you're doing, eventually the right people come along and they say yes to you. And they say, you know what, you're doing a great job. I like what you're doing. And I want to use you and I'm going to book you for this part because, you know, you stuck it out. So I think that's my biggest thing is starting out can be really, really hard. And even after doing this for so many years, there are times when I don't book parts, you know, back to back, or I go months and months of auditioning for 30 commercials and I don't book anything. And as long as I'm feeling good in those times, then 
then that is good because I'm still moving forward and I'm feeling good and on to the next one. And eventually the someone will come along and say, yep, that's exactly what I want. You're perfect for this role. Do you see yourself doing this in 10, 15 years? Oh, man, I cannot wait to be an old lady actor. I watch all of these. Oh, what was I watching the other day? And there was like this old witch actor, and she was actually playing a witch in this movie. And I thought, you know what? When I'm 60 or 70, I'm going to kill it in film and TV. It's not my time right now because of where I'm at in life. But I feel as I get older and I'm going to stick with it and my acting is only getting better as I age and all of that, then, oh, I'm going to be... And we need those roles, right? Oh. It's not all just the, like, under 40, no. you know, scrubbed, scrubbed clean face and bright eyes. Like, you, when you see an amazing actor that's on the fringes, like, really old but amazing... Or a little kid, it's like holy crap! Like yeah. we need all of that, and and it's hard to find diversity for like I was I'm working on a short, and it's going to kind of have like a lot of older women in it, and I was like, man, that's going to be a challenge, yeah. or maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm naive about it, and there's a lot of women going, screw you, Colby, I will audition for your short. Just tell me where it is, right? Um, but yeah, like I think there's room for all of that. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people will start auditioning in their 20s, and then they don't get to a point where they think they want to be in their 30s and then they quit and then that that's it sure i'm not you know a big film and tv star but i love what i do and i have a lot of fun and eventually i know that there will be something for me as i get older even I well mean, i don't think that changes like if you look at actors in hollywood they have all kinds of droughts yeah you know they do a huge role and then it's like where's so-and-so so-and-so has fallen off the face of the earth. Can you imagine the pressure there? And I know they're millionaires, and so there's, you know, that little bit of lack of pity. But it's still a per personal career pursuit. Mm -hmm. So if you – and they – what else are you going to do? You're literally just having a, a kind of a drought, no calls, or you're a woman and, you know, what, you're 45, so you're basically archaic in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And I notice a lot of these women, too, are starting production companies mm -hmm. and then casting themselves, which I think is amazing. Yep. They're just financing these and saying, screw it. There's not these roles, so I'm going to put myself in it. I'm going to finance it and get off the ground. Kudos. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's great that a lot of people are starting to create their own work. And, again, either casting themselves or maybe even casting more female roles, which – you know, obviously wasn't happening for a long time. No. So it's exciting. I think, you know, it's exciting. It's ex We're creating so much more content compared to even 10 years ago. Obviously, we can see that Vancouver is so much busier than it was five years ago. So I think it's really exciting. I think there's a place for everyone. Yeah. You know? And a lot of original content, too, coming mm -hmm. out of Netflix, for example, or Apple's making stuff. Uh, Facebook is making series and buying um, series to, yeah. to green light and go, which is Amazing. It's not just the big, you know, huge movie houses that we are all familiar with from like long ago, you yeah. know, that had all the power. And I feel that those series are exciting. I don't know about you, but I have this obsession of looking up actors on IMDb when I see them in a show that I've never seen them and I've never seen them before. A lot of these Netflix shows, I don't know if you ever look it up, but they're new. They have maybe one IMDb credit, or that's their first one, and then they were able to get another one after that. I wonder what that's all about. Is that a cost thing, you think, or just fresh blood? I think it's fresh blood. You're talking about all these studio houses. Well, they used to have contracts with actors, so you know they'd have a three-picture deal, and so you'd see that actor, right. maybe even with the same actor, over five years in a different film, whereas now I feel like Netflix and you know maybe even Amazon Prime, they're trying to keep it fresh, and so they're using people who are fabulous actors but have never been given an opportunity to shine. It feels like a breath of fresh air, though, when you have that. 
It really not the same old people, right? No offense to the same old people, but to see a a, a new young face that's phenomenal is like it's also hopeful for people that want to get into it. Yes, you know that there's there's an opportunity for that. So, well, thanks, Tiana. I really appreciate this. It's been super fun, and good luck at your audition. Oh, thank you. And don't forget all the little people when you're really big and famous. You can have me on your famous actor podcast. I will. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, thank you. Hey. Thanks for listening to Ventropolis. I know it's early days and we're still just casually dating on here. But if you like my podcast so far, I would so appreciate you heading over to iTunes and either subscribing, rating, or just sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it. Like film people, for example. Because let's be honest, they barely have time to do their own laundry, let alone find podcasts. You can also find me at ventropolispodcast.com. If you want to reach out to be on the show, provide feedback, or just say hello. If it's funny enough, I might even read it aloud before the next episode. And hey, thank you.